Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your grace is amazing. You've loved us with an everlasting love. Your mercy is new every day. And we can lean on the everlasting arms. What great truths. We're humbled. In the midst of everything going on, you're not surprised, you're not worried, you're not upset. And we can put our faith and our hope and our trust in you. Guard, guide, and protect us as, as we serve, as, as, we, as we move throughout our, our normal, our new normal, the ever-changing normal. Help us to be faithful. Give us the strength and the courage because you've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. May we honor you today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Great. Thomas, you're doing a good job. Thanks for being here and uh, doing a little bit of production behind the scenes. Um, we're excited that uh, there's so many of you online. Uh, I've asked Steve to send out a question about uh, the children that are present with us. So hopefully you guys can chime in because uh, that's something that we're going to uh, direct some, some discussion at home. And I just wanted to see who might be out there and uh, we're relating to this, this morning. Um, the last couple weeks we've been talking about the church. Uh, prior to that we were in Matthew and looking at uh, some of the, the dynamics uh, of Jesus and followers of Christ. And this morning we're going to kind of jump through uh, a bunch of Matthew in one sense, but to the end as we're getting ready for Easter. Uh, the, the goal for us uh, originally was to look at these next four weeks leading up to Easter as the, the, some significant events in the Passion Week uh, that would describe and, and lead us up to the point of uh, the resurrection. And so Perry and, and uh, I met with David Steinquest uh, last week, and we're, we're trusting that by the time Easter rolls around, we'll be able to meet again, um, gathering in, in, uh, on campus. But, and uh, because he, he's rising in his, uh, or the amount of attention on Jesus is, is increasing, and they're thinking, this is, this is the moment. And so there, there's some interesting things. But what Jesus does in those moments is he focuses in actually on children. And so we're going to take a look at these passages, uh, in particular two, in Matthew 18, uh, one is found one, and then another one is in uh, Matthew 19. So uh, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew 18 and uh, verse 1, and we're going to read just uh, uh, through verse 6 right there, and I'll share a couple things. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them. And they said, and he said, um, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. So, so it's interesting because here the disciples, I think, with that kingdom mindset, they're arguing about who's the greatest. Now, um, I, I have three kids, Christian, Rebecca, and Juliana, and one of the ongoing things, and I, it's definitely more of a joke than it is serious, 
but they will look and say, you know, am I your favorite now when they do something that they know pleases us? Um, and we, we joke around with who's the favorite child now and all those kind of things. Um, it's, do y'all do that in your house, Barry? Yeah, we do. Do you? Is yeah. Thomas the favorite? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas just shook his head dejectedly. No, in all seriousness, though, this is far different than what the disciples were addressing than favoritism. They, they were looking, thinking, uh, trying to identify what was the, uh, who was the, the greatest. And one of the things that I think they were um, trying to, to, to wrestle through is they were thinking that uh, their efforts in following closely to Jesus, maybe it was their self-sacrifice uh, that, that they had made to um, become followers of Jesus or to deny certain things uh, about him were elevating their status. Maybe it was even some kind of uh, effort in obedience that, that would make them greater. And they were looking for a, a change in their status, uh, not just about a, a, a favorite. Um, and, and that was the issue. But here's what Jesus did. He insisted that the disciple, a true disciple, must become like uh, a child. And, and he clarifies this. If, if you notice, he says in verse 4, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in, in the kingdom of heaven. So what, we're, what Jesus does is he, he's not taking this argument that they have about the grace, but he changes it and says, look, this is, this is about humility. And so what we need to look at this morning is what is biblical humility about? And so if Jesus modeled or gave the illustration or metaphor about children being humble, I, I started thinking, being online, that you guys would be able to actually turn this morning, take a couple minutes and in family dynamics to address what, what is it about a child that um, indicates or represents humility. So um, as y'all are talking literally amongst yourselves at your houses, uh, I want to encourage you to ask that question and, and go through some of those descriptions. And then, if you can, shoot some of them back as you're, you're discussing so that somebody can become a moderator in your house and let us know what, what some of your thoughts about why would Jesus use children to indicate or, or exemplify the, the idea of humility. So I'm going to give you two minutes. Go! So, what would you, why do you think that Jesus would have used children Children definitely realize that they're not, you know, that they're under the adult supervision, under the uh, the discipline of uh, adults in the family. Um, they they're vulnerable. Um, they know, you know, even though they may exert their self-will a lot, kids will they they have a, a deep knowing of their place really when it comes down to it. They know thoughts? No, I was listening. Um, I think a lot of it is, is the fact that um, kids sometimes don't know that they don't know. And so there's just a simple, simple way of doing life that they're not burdened by how complicated things are and they just kind of just go, you know, it's all, it's all good because you've got it. Not yet. One of because we're on a little bit of a delay. We're on a delay, but um, it's also a little bit of buffering. Um, Lisa Redding said they're carefree. Children are carefree. Again, kind of that Care, same care. thing I was saying. Yeah, yeah. You know, they don't know enough to know that all of the cares of the world, so they're kind of 
carefree. Yeah. Mm. That's a good thought, Lisa. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. All right, the two minutes is up. And um, I don't know if you've ever like thought about that, but they, they just kind of don't care if, if they have those struggles. Mm. Um, I think children are also quick to call for help when they're in need. Uh, we, we were catching up on uh, This Is Us last night, binge watching, and uh, it was, spoiler alert, um, it was the episode where the kids were struggling to go to bed because they'd been moved out of their cribs into the, the big kid beds, and every one of them got up in the night. Um, and, and it's like they were quick and easy to ask for help and, right. and not embarrassed that they couldn't stay in bed or they were scared of monsters or scared of something else. Um, I think that this is for us sometimes as parents. We don't like this, uh, but children are also quick to, to respond to circumstances that can sometimes uh, indicate, well, well, it becomes like um, inflamed or exaggerated in some ways. I, I'm especially envisioning a kid that is hurt or injured at some point or they're frustrated by something in a public place and they start kind of going into that fit. And sometimes we as parents are like, you're, we look around and you're embarrassing me. Stop, mm -hmm. stop, stop. When we don't really know what, what the problem is, but when we begin to understand the problem, we recognize, oh, they, there was a legitimate issue. Right. And, and they, they were not concerned about the, what they looked like in the public eye. They, they just wanted help right. in that moment. Does, does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And I think that's a great picture of, uh, of why Jesus would have mm -hmm. used them as an example mm -hmm. of humility. Um, so here's, here's another one. And Perry, you kind of were mentioning this, is the, there's an aspect of children that they recognize their ability uh, to advance their own cause, mm -hmm. um, or their inability. Yeah. They, 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 don't, they don't recognize... Are they? They recognize they can't do the things that they need. They don't have the skill sets to go do, do certain things. So what they do is they ask for for help. Um, whether it's reaching up into the counter, they have they can't reach it because they're they're too small. Maybe it's a skill set that they need um, to, to to accomplish. They just don't have. But they're quickly willing to ask for for assistance in those. Um, and I think a, a lot of times. Um, and, and this is pretty obvious, but when a child comes into a family, especially when they're young, they don't have anything to offer. They, they, they just, they, they are recipients of everything that the parents provide. And when I thought about that in particular, I thought about how God's grace towards us is, is so well uh, represented by this illustration of, of the humility of a child because apart from God's grace uh, we don't have the ability to overcome sin to be sanctified rightly because apart from the spirit dwelling in us what what would we be able to achieve on our own it's all a result of uh, God's grace through faith that that we have those opportunities to relate differently to the Lord and so what a, I think that that's a clear picture of why Jesus elevated this picture of the, the humility of a child, that we don't need to worry about greatness. Um, instead, we need to worry about humility um, and be concerned with that. Here's um, the, the second part of this, um, and, and I want to make sure I get this right, is that they, that Jesus kind of changed that question and it was to insist that the disciples consider their conversion 
um, as true children of God by faith in Christ. He, he was telling them, you've got to come as a child. It, it has to be in this trusting, humble manner instead of trying to earn our, our way there. And I think that's something we still wrestle with in American Christianity. So um, that's kind of looking at Matthew 18. Turn over to Matthew 19, and it's interesting. Again, we're, we're falling just prior to Jesus uh, entering into Jerusalem in that triumphal entry. But in Matthew 19, verse 13, we're going to read a little bit further in this because there's this interesting contrast that happens between uh, as Jesus looks at some children and then this rich young ruler that comes along. So verse uh, 13 in Matthew 19, then, the children, then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Verse 16, And behold, a man came up to him, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, uh, it, yeah, if you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then the young man said to him, All these I have kept, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter into the kingdom of heaven. So it's interesting that here again, what we find is Jesus, uh, almost in, in, in Matthew, actually, the gospel writer, bringing a contrast between the, the children on one hand, who uh, Jesus is elevating again that picture of humility, and this rich young man who goes away because he has great riches. Um, and so I, I was thinking about this um, and thinking through a couple things here. Um, and that, in particular, is this idea that uh, to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. If, if you think in, in verse 14, again, that little phrase identifies this metaphor. It's not that children just all come to Christ but it's or enter into heaven, but to such. That, that's a pointing to this metaphor uh, of Jesus being uh, our teaching that, that humility and coming as a child is the value. And so that thought runs consistently there. But the, the rich young man asks what he must have. And I think, or what he must do to, to enter into to, to the kingdom of heaven. And I think there's two issues here. The first is that the young man thought that he could keep the law or do something found, uh, to, to do something that he might be found worthy of salvation. Um, his error was that he thought he could be justified by keeping the law. Now, let, let me stop us there because I think a lot of us would go, we, don't, we know that that's not the case. Many of us have, have been taught that, there's a, uh, that that's not the appropriate way of salvation. The problem is we tend to default to that manner uh, of thinking and behavior, even though we know better. Um, and, and so I think Jesus is bringing a correction to this young man. And he is saying, and, and Matthew's identifying once again in his course of uh, writing the, the gospel, is that we need to approach Jesus in humility with a, a great dependence upon the work of Christ. 
And, and as we think about the disciples and we think about this rich young man, the one thing they weren't doing is they were, they were elevating their works, but they weren't responding in humility to the work of Jesus that is for salvation. And, and we think about, uh, Perry, I know you and I have talked about this several times, but what it means to have the imputed righteousness of Christ, mm-hmm. um, which is what justifies us before God. So what is, if I was going to give a definition of biblical humility, and Steve, I might let you weigh in. I know you're kind of moderating over there. But if, if we thought about what biblical humility is, I think it indicates the realization that salvation is by grace alone through faith alone. And, and I know that's not a very, very profound statement. We're used to that. But I think it, it's worthy of, of repeating still that biblical humility is the, indicates the realization that salvation is by grace alone through faith alone. Um, this rich young man thought that he could do so many other things, and that's why Jesus even summarized it's difficult for a rich person to enter the, the kingdom of heaven. Do you guys have any thoughts on that and want to weigh in? Steve says no. Keep plugging away. I, I'm excited. That that's This is really awesome. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So let me uh, approach this thought for current day. Um, I think that, and, and even bridging the context for Jews at that time, people of different generations have thought that having wealth or prosperity at some level indicated God's blessing. Um, and I think we struggle even in our culture today because the prosperity gospel says that if, if you have a relationship with God that's right, then he showers all these blessings upon you with health and wealth and da-da-da-da-da. But I, I think that's a, a misnomer, um, especially it's not a biblical concept, um, because here's the, the, the struggle, especially I think for us as American uh, culture, is that we often think that uh, those blessings are the result of God's handiwork, when I think oftentimes they're actually a result of us working hard. And, and we supplant our, our position as the provider above God because we've worked hard and tried to achieve those things on our own and it's not really God doing it. We've not really responded in biblical humility trusting him. We've circumvented his authority in our lives and chased after these things ourselves and thought, oh well I've worked hard God owes me or I've earned this or deserved this at some level but it's really us doing that ourselves. Steve, thoughts? Yeah, you know I think that that's interesting that you say it that way because I actually hadn't Put a lot of stock into thinking through it that way. Um, it still it still goes back to pride. It does because I think that the the way that I hear you saying that is is that we go after all of these things and and then we go oh well that success is because God wants to bless us. But what you're really saying is is that I expect God to bless me in what I do. Yeah. So it should automatically be successful. And I think the opposite of that is, is really key to thinking in this, that in true humility, whether or not I'm successful doesn't matter. Whether or not I glorify Jesus Christ is what That's matters. Exactly right. and, and what I go hard after is not what I want, but what I know I'm doing in obedience to, to the Lord's will. Yeah. And so it, it's kind of an interesting um, juggle between am I being successful because God's blessing me or am I being successful because I'm obedient to what the Lord is doing 
and and success or failure shouldn't be on whether or not I get it or whether or not I want it or whether or not it happens but whether or not I'm truly humbled and obedient to the work of Jesus Christ in my life right right and so that's a, a perfect lead-in to what I want to cover next which is basically four ideas about biblical humility so if, if you're you know at home taking notes or, or and maybe you can we'll pause and just let you guys discuss a couple of these things in just a minute um, but I think if we're looking the first thing about biblical um, humility is this it, it is a part of salvation that provides a clear awareness of one's own pride and reveals the need for Christ to atone for sin um, Perry I, I, I hear you mm, you know kind of and, and start nodding um, why did that elicit that response to you <clears throat> it just makes me realize uh, it's so true it's so true in my life and my experience that you know I, I when I try on my own to do anything that's of any value or any good I usually end up at some point messing it up but when I get involved in what I know the Lord is telling me to do then whether or not it fails or whether it succeeds really doesn't matter anymore because I'm I'm in Christ. I'm doing what He wants me to do, yeah. and so I guess that that just realization when you said that hit me. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. And so I, let me let me try to summarize that a little bit, because when we do things on our own and we think we don't need the Lord, that that is that pride. But true biblical humility strips away our our pride and the essence of that, and shows us our clear need for dependence on Christ and especially His atoning work. And apart from that stripping away of our pride, we, we won't have genuine salvation. So I think that's a, a place that we've got to, to carefully consider um, that, that we go to Christ, surrender to him, and surrender to his lordship for our salvation, for his atoning work to, to do that which we cannot do in, in and of ourselves. And so as, I was, uh, uh, as I was thinking about that this week, um, this verse in, in Matthew 5 jumped right back out to me. Um, when he was talking in, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For yeah. what? The promise is that they shall inherit, or theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I think that poor in spirit is addressing that, that sense of true biblical humi humility that transitions us rightly into that vertical relationship with the Lord where the kingdom of heaven becomes ours. So that's the first mark of uh, biblical humility. The second would be this, that it amplifies a sense of community. Now, um, I, I'm choosing my words really carefully here because I think that word amplifies means you know that that makes it louder. It, it, it makes it more present to us. Um, and, and especially, I'm thinking this morning we've we've uh, struggled this week with mics and getting the right settings and all those kind of things. So that has to do with the amplification of our our voices to you. And so amplification is that idea that um, we, we together, in a sense of community, make much of Christ and, and, and his, um, his person and his character and nature. And so what that means for us in, in community together is this, that I recognize that, that Perry has worth as a child of God, that Steve has worth, that you have worth as a child of God, and my worth is no more. But together, as we acknowledge that, our sense of community grows and we value who we are in Christ together, and, and that amplifies his work in us. I hope that makes sense. So 
it, it kind of comes down to this. Maybe I can I can put it in these biblical terms that we rejoice in being co-heirs with Christ as we together glory in the grace of, of God that we've received. Yeah, I was gonna say I just I was struck by that passage in John, John three talking um, goes on to say that um, the one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Yeah. So that so that even even the understanding of the whole church being the bride, that that we that we amplify the bridegroom, that we amplify Christ, that we amplify the head of the church. It's not about us. We've got to continually decrease, while he is increased and increased and amplified by what we do, what we say, how we live, so that it's about Jesus, not about us. What what verses exactly were that? Were those Steve? John three. I'll I'll, I'll put them in John okay. three, and it was verse thirty one or verse thirty. Thirty John following. 30. Okay. John, John three thirty. Okay, great. Yeah. So I love that. Um, I had thought about that passage, but that that idea of he must increase. That certainly resonates with this idea, and especially I think about that whole celebration of what the, the wedding feast does. It, it's mm-hmm. us coming together, recognizing one another's worth in that to celebrate the bridegroom. So again, I think that's a, a great illustration of what uh, biblical humility really looks like. Um, the third aspect of biblical humility is not only that it amplifies um, the, the Lord through a sense of community, but it also advances uh, the, the, the Lord's community through our community together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking about this when a person is exercising biblical humility, uh, they recognize there's no need to be competitive with other people. Christian, Rebecca, Juliana, and especially Katie, did y'all hear that? There's no need to be competitive with other people. And I know I'm picking on my family, but the truth is it's not about um, a a family-oriented dynamic. It's about us because what were the disciples wrestling with? They were saying who could be the greatest based on their works. That They were missing the whole point, weren't they? It, it wasn't about them being the greatest. It was about them being present with Christ in the kingdom of heaven. And what they needed to be advancing was Christ's kingdom above, above all else and, and the work of Christ and his uh, atoning work for them. And they had totally missed that. So when we come together as Christians in true biblical humility, I think what we really do, uh, we should do rightly, is to recognize spiritual gifts and opportunities to serve with one one another, to link arms and to uh, advance the kingdom of Christ so that the world, which is, is longing for hope, would hear the message of the gospel. So I started um, thinking about the practicality of that point for us in our current situation. And uh, we're, we're currently trying to, to figure out how we can do some missions things. It's going to be like really kind of wonky with the social distancing, but we're, we're thinking through this and, and what the long-term implications are uh, should, should we not get back into to gathering at some level. So bear with us as we're doing that. But I also think this, we need to... As families, talk about how we can advance Christ's community during this season. So I actually want you to, to take a minute and think through, just take a, a couple you know, minutes here to creatively think through how we as stewards of the grace of Christ can advance his kingdom 
in our communities during this season um, as we uh, show that biblical humility. to do with just realizing um, again my own sinful nature that my own um, rec- just recognizing how much I usually mess things up and I know that's, I've said that uh, earlier but that's a good analogy for me um, which makes me turn to what Christ has done for me and in that, then I should be walking. Steve and I were talking about earlier today. I should be abiding in Christ, mm-hmm. um, and recognizing that His love isn't because of what I've done to deserve anything, and not to not to fall into you know condemnation or fall into you know hating myself or you know that kind of a thing, but just a quick recognizing, wow, I. Yeah, I see that, Lord, and that's and just living a repentant yeah, good life yeah. of, oh, that's myself. That's that's my sin nature. Yeah, good. I need Christ. I'm, I'm going to look to Him, and in that, um, I think in body life or in family life, as as families, I mean, we're we're good representations of the body of Christ. So, in family life, then we we end up. Uh, really walking that out and then we get together as the body of Christ and we're really walking that out and then when we do that then we get into the public then they see something yeah and that's what um, kind of coming back Debbie Randolph has posted um, just showing the fruit of the spirit when we're out and about I think she said showing kindness and and being gentle and some of those things Um, and that's kind of one of the things Debbie similar to what I was thinking so Perry's talked about how the inward life bears that out as we go public. Um, but it, it could be, uh, you know, I, I heard a story yesterday about folks going to the grocery store and, and seeing the limits on items, but they're still trying to buy more. Mm-hmm. And I think as, as believers, what we ought to do is say, hey, you know, we go in and we're peaceful. We're, we're, we're smiling at folks. We're, we're talking about those things. Um, yeah, so, so Joy says, and I think this is appropriate too, Joy, that we would look around and say, what are the needs of our neighbors? Um, that's part of the mission thing that we're looking at is how might we impact families that are um, transitioning because their, their kids aren't in school? What could we do as a, a community to provide uh, oversight for the kids and food for kids? Um, Amy Maddox says, find ways to stay connected and share prayers and needs in our current environment. If you're, yeah, and, and she gives some in, in, um, resources like Zoom, text, etc. And Amy, that's one of the things I was thinking about is how can we pray for those around us? Um, I mean, truth is, we're, we're social distancing with our neighbors, but it's like we're meeting and we're just staying the six feet, but we're talking to them all the time. How can we pray through our community? Maybe it's prayer walking through our community. Maybe it's leaving notes for folks in our community that we have been praying for them. Um, maybe it's even this, that you have a little bit of surplus and you just pray over who needs some toilet paper in your neighborhood and you drop it in their mailbox um, or leave it on their front porch. I, you know, There's so many ways that we could advance the kingdom work by serving uh, others in our community. Um, Steve, are any other ideas coming in? No, nope, those are it so far. Okay, cool. Do you have anything you want to add to that? Well, you know, 
it is interesting because you go back to Galatians and talking about the fruit of the Spirit, that, that the manifestation of the Holy Spirit at work in us is always relational to others. Yeah. So when you think about each of those, those things that identify the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, self-control, kindness, all of those are relational things that are lived out in community with other people. So I think when, when I press into that, I think to myself, I'm making real the love of Jesus Christ by the things that I do, not only the things that I say. So, you know, when you say, how can I pray? I'd love to know how can I pray specifically? Right. What are the things that I actually need to be praying about? Because those may also be the things that I can do something about in, in blessing others and in loving others. So you know, it's really kind of interesting to think, how do I press into relationship? with my actions, not just my conversation. Yeah. So I think that that's where they were talking about, you know, again, all of this fruit-led living, living it out is, is being real in being the hands and the feet of Jesus. Yeah, very good. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I'm gonna pick on a couple larger families like the Myers and the Warrens. Um, how do we as families not just do it in a kingdom concept or, or a community concept outside of us, but how do we also maintain that as families? Because if you're like us, it's easy to let your guard down in your own four walls. Um, and, and maybe for, for us as families, we need to work at showing the fruit of the Spirit in our own four walls yes. so that the effectiveness of that goes out in the, the community. Um, because I know we're going to start getting stir-crazy at some point, um, looking for things to do. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so um, Lisa Smalling mentioned this, and, and I think this is what Amy's working on. Um, we're testing this week some Zoom conference calls for group, grow groups. Um, so that, Lisa, that is coming. Um, Christian, you said uh, being a good presence on social media yeah, that, that's tremendous, Christian, because how many times do we just post to without thinking about the, the consequences of that? And, and maybe sometimes it's appropriate and it's funny, but can it also just stir up like a carelessness? And, and maybe it's as much being um, intentional about posting things about the Lord, uh, about our hope in Him, about His faithfulness, so, so that we are that um, light in, on a hill that's called social media. Um, I'm looking at a couple others real quick. Um, yeah, so so uh, there's some children church leaders putting packets for the kids. That'd be great. Um, yeah, Danny and um, Julie Taylor also mentioned this to us. We we have a ton of games in our closet. This is just real practical, but a, a great way to advance community. Can we share games or movies with with one another so that you know we're not just bored silly, but we can do things as families together. Um, so. Uh, what else? Yeah, so Beverly says that just being a herald um, about the truth of Christ and, and uh, situations, um, always being positive about Christ. Well, and I think, you know, jumping into that, I think it is, is truly, really understanding. If we're making much about Christ, it means it's not about us, so it's not about my situation. It's not about my circumstances. It's not about woe is me with everything going around right now. How do we glorify Jesus Christ in what's going on? Yeah. 
How do we point people to Jesus Christ and what's going on? Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Then he's the answer. Right. And if he's the answer and we're not sharing about that because we're bemoaning where we are or life stinks really bad right now with where we are, then, then are we really glorifying Jesus Christ? Right. Which is actually the fourth mark of true biblical humility. Um, it's, it's that we would uh, recognize who we are and we would uh, direct all of our attention uh, to the glory of God. And we would do that consistently. So it's interesting that, that y'all have heard these things and, and that they all point back ultimately to man's chief end. is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I, I think of these scriptures that, that um, talk about what is man that you're mindful of him. Um, and thinking about our lowliness and, and the, the perspective of who God is as this holy, righteous, uh, majestic, uh, sovereign creator of the universe. When we are the created objects of his love, yes, but, but he is so supreme. And, and so biblical humility recognizes that it's not based on our worth, but it's based on his worth that we would flesh out our faith and trust in him and the, yes the hope that he's given but it's the hope that he's given because of his character because of his nature not us. and that's the yes yeah, not us and that's the beauty of the gospel um is that yes we are recipient recipients of his grace and his goodness but it's really about his his glory and majesty and so um i, I think that's a great place for us this morning to to just stop and, and think through uh true biblical humility is being childlike doesn't mean us being children and immature and those kind of things it means us growing but it's, it's depending on christ so that we wouldn't worry about the greatness but we would worry in, in a sense i don't like that word but that we would steward our thoughts well and consider well what it means to be in right relationship with him so that we rightly inherit the kingdom and then make much of him that's kind of the, the message in a nutshell so I hope that's encouraging to you. I hope it gives you a kind of an adrenaline boost, if you will, about even in the midst of tough circumstances, what our responsibility is to walk rightly with the Lord and right, rightly with one another so that the, the Christian community uh, exalts God in all of the, the things that we're faced with. So I think that this week we'll, we'll be seeing a lot more things come down the road from us as far as um, some practical things. Just a lot of good things happening. Um, Steve, Perry, do you all have any other thoughts before we share a couple of announcements about upcoming things? No, I'm good. Okay. Um, well, let me just remind you of, of a couple things real quickly before we conclude today. One, again, um, the, the church still has a lot of things that we're trying to do with uh, resources and ministry. So uh, we would ask that if you're able to give, um, that you first of all do that online. You can go to thegrove431.com. Click on e-commerce or e-community, I'm sorry, e-community, and then it'll pop down to giving, and then that you, you just enter your information and it enters the amount first, and then it goes behind the scenes, all the payment stuff. That's probably the, the easiest way if you're not familiar with the Alexio app. Uh, Alexio app, you just pull it up on your phone, and it's got a button at the bottom in the green uh, um, menu that says giving, and you just kind of put those things in, all the details there. Um, we are looking at an Easter egg hunt. Um, we are going to be doing that on Friday, on Good Friday evening, um, which is a little different than we've done in the past. Obviously, we're holding that a little bit loosely right now. Our, our tentative plan would be uh, because the recommended days have, have only gone through uh, 15 days as of now. I haven't heard any updates on that, that we would 
uh, be holding that event. So as we get closer, we'll give you details. Hopefully there's not gonna be any kind of uh, adjustments. That's what we're certainly all praying towards. Um, so that would be that evening, and we'll do some really neat things with that. There's going to be a uh, possibility of dinner, uh, devotion, a little bit of worship, and, so to, and then obviously the Easter egg hunt itself with the kids. So it'll be a, a great time that we're looking forward to, to planning and implementing at that point. Um, Easter service is, is obviously that, that next Sunday as well. So uh, we're just going to keep you posted on those things as they come up. I, I don't think uh, there's any other major announcements that I can recall right now. Okay. Um, so thanks for tuning in to the Grove Church this morning. We're so blessed that you were here uh, with us. Thanks for especially chiming in um, through the, the community board, if you will, uh, and giving us some feedback. Uh, we look forward to, to doing this soon. We may even be doing some other things midweek. Uh, so we'll just keep you posted about those things as best as we can. Um, Steve, are you going to pray for us as we conclude sure, today? Great. Thanks, man. Father, we do want to give you the glory. Yeah. We want to give you um, just the, the, the praise. I will bless the Lord at all times. His mm -hmm. praise will continually be in my mouth. There's a lot going on, God, that we could be worried about, that we could be troubled in our spirit about, that we could be um, just not even confident with what's going on in our communities, but we know that you've got it under control. So we put our faith, we put our hope, we put our trust in you. Guard, guide, and protect. Uh, I, I just ask that you would just uh, watch over the families and, and all of the kids, and especially our, our, our senior citizens who, who may be at, at a higher risk. Just, just cover them, keep them safe, God. Um, use us to, to be your hands and feet as, as there's opportunities for us to serve. Just flesh that out. Show us how we can, how we can be part of a, of, of a greater kingdom cause and loving people to Jesus Christ. We love you. We thank you for the church. And I thank you for all that you do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So go in community, connect in communities, and change lives because of Jesus Christ. Y'all yep. have a good one.